Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. your host, Dr. Kazumba. Shalom and welcome to Unstoppable Faith. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Kazumba Charles. On today's program, I have a very special program uh, uh, for you today. We have uh, a guest who is going to be sharing on uh, a very, very important topic. Uh, did you know that God created us with a different uh, strength, weaknesses, as well as uh, personality types? Some people have an introvert personality. Some have an extra extrovert personality. Now, my question is, can an introvert personality make an impact in the world? Well, we are about to find out as my guest, Holy Gath, comes on the show on this program. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. I am an introvert. Half of the world is too. We're creators and leaders, CEOs and artists, doctors and athletes, parents, friends, difference makers. Being an introvert isn't about how much we like small talk. It's wired into our brains and nervous systems. We're created as introverts with valuable strengths like meaningful connection, hard-won resilience, true well-being, and insightful perception. With all that's going on right now, people keep saying introverts are having a moment. I agree, but not because we're good at social distancing. Introverts are having a moment because we're great at some things our world needs more than ever before. Welcome back, welcome back. On this program today, I have uh, Oli Gath. She is a Hall Street Journal best-selling author, life coach, and counselor. She has sold over 500,000 books, co-founded the groundbreaking blogging community, Encourage, and now co-host of the popular podcast, More Than Small Talk. My first question to you is, when did you first realize you were an introvert? And what do you wish someone had told you then? I found out that I was an introvert when I was in college. I was at a campus ministry meeting. They had a guest speaker who was talking about personality types. I heard the word introvert and it was a big aha moment for me because I suddenly realized that not only was there a name for the way I was wired, in my way of being in the world, but there are a lot of other people who were being in the world the same way. Actually, half the population is made up of introverts. And I think that points it to it being a complementary pairing on God's part that we see in the creation story. A lot of those 
day and night, land and sea, masculine, feminine. And I think he also intentionally created introvert and extrovert. Can someone change from being an introvert to an extrovert or vice versa? Are we created as introverts or extroverts? Can you just touch on that? Yes. Studies show they have followed people from being little babies where these characteristics start showing up and then follow them for decades into adulthood. And these parts of our brain and nervous system wiring stay consistent. So all indicators seem to be that we don't switch from one to the other, introvert to extrovert or vice versa. And again, I think that's because God's design is intentional. Now we move on that continuum I mentioned, and research shows we all actually become a little more introverted as we get older. And so even if you're still on the extrovert side of the continuum, I've heard a lot of my extrovert friends say, you know, as I get older, I find I need more time for reflection and quiet or something like that. So we move within our given range on the continuum, but over a lifetime, that type of introvert or extrovert usually stays consistent. How is self-awareness crucial to thriving? As a life coach and counselor, what tools have you seen help with self-awareness? Well, I think we all approach life from one of three perspectives. First, we can approach life from a place of self-criticism, where we're really hard on ourselves. That leads to insecurity and fear. Or we can approach life from a place of self-focus, which leads to pride and thinking it's all about us. Or we can come at life from a place of self-awareness. And that is saying, I'm going to understand who God made me so that I can fully offer the gifts that he's placed within me to the world. So I think that is what the psalmist was expressing in Psalm 139, 14, when he says, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. So self-awareness leads to praise, not to pride. And being aware of who we are, whether it's introvert or extrovert, our skills, our strengths, the gifts within us, and also our struggles and weaknesses and vulnerabilities. It just empowers us to be wise stewards of who God has made us to be. I also find self-aware people are the most humble and compassionate toward others. Because if we're not self-aware, then we tend to expect everyone to be just like us. And I find self-aware people tend to say, this is who I am. This is who you are. God calls both of us his good creation. We are better together because we are different. So instead of trying to make everyone be alike, let's all help each other fully become who God created us to be. So I think that self-awareness sometimes gets confused with selfishness, but it's actually the opposite. It's actually what prepares us for service. Self-awareness leads to praise, not to pride. I like that point. Now, if you're just joining us here on Unstoppable Faith, uh, by the way, of television, radio, uh, we are here with uh, Holy Gatha. She is uh, sharing on, uh, you know, the powerful purpose of uh, introverts. Gatha, we, we, Holy, we're going to go to this question here. You share nine specific strengths of uh, introverts. The first one being strategic solitude. I like that. How is a solitude different than simply being alone? 
Yeah, so we often confuse solitude and isolation. So isolation is living disconnected from God, others, and our true selves. For a long time as an introvert, I felt guilty that I needed time alone because I thought about how in Genesis, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So I thought that was about physical space. But it's actually about that disconnection. When you look at the root word for that, it's about living disconnected from God, others, and our true selves. So we can be isolated in a crowded room because we don't feel fully known and we're not sharing who we are. So that's isolation. In contrast, solitude is time apart that's chosen for a specific purpose. It might be for rest, for reflection, for prayer, for creative work, all these different things that are really valuable and that actually help us live more engaged lives. And so we all need solitude throughout church history. It's been an important spiritual discipline. And our culture today is just so busy and noisy that it's often hard to get. So we don't have to feel guilty for that need, but we also probably need some intentional planning around how to do that. And so I encourage people to actually schedule solitude like they would an important meeting. Or if they're not able to do that because their lives are just too chaotic, to come up with a rhythm of solitude that does work for them. So for example, Joanna Gaines, who's a TV personality and author, has a very busy packed life, is also an introvert. She says before any new event, she just sits in her car for five minutes. And that is her rhythm of solitude. But it's enough throughout her day to just kind of give her what she needs to keep operating at the fullest capacity possible. And so I think embracing the power of solitude, there's a lot of studies, especially of leaders, that show it can be key to long-term success, to being fully engaged in our life and work and relationships. So it's very different than isolation, and it's something that we all need. Now I discovered from you uh, the refreshing power of that solitude. And now it becomes strategic, refreshing. This is good stuff right here. You know, this is, <laughs> this is good stuff. This is reviving right here. Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. Now, help us understand something here. What can we learn from uh, introverts about how to have more meaningful connection, connections in our lives? Well, there's often a stereotype that introverts are somehow less social than extroverts, but that's actually not true. We're just differently social. And so introverts tend to be drawn to more meaningful relationships. They may have fewer people in their social circle, but they're really seeking to have depth and that kind of meaningful connection. And it's not that extroverts can't have that. It just often comes a little more naturally to introverts. And so we live in a world that I think when it comes to relationships focuses on quantity over quality. And people are told, get more followers, have more events on your calendar, spread yourself thin. And I think that's exhausting for introverts and extroverts. I did a survey on my blog. I asked people, are you an introvert or extrovert? What's your biggest struggle as an introvert or extrovert? And I got over 2,000 responses in the first week, and I was really surprised to find the most common struggle for extroverts was loneliness. They said, I have a lot of surface connections, but I really long to go deeper with people. And so because that is a natural strength for introverts, I think that we can be a reminder that 
our relationships aren't about quantity. They're about quality. And for a long time, I believe some kind of equation that was like, the more people in my life equals the more I love God and the better Christian than I am. And then I looked in scripture and I realized there is no reference to quantity anywhere related to our relationships. We're even told love one another, which uses the word one or love your neighbor, which is singular, not plural. And so I think that loving the way God intends is not about a number or an amount, not of what we can do on social media, but instead saying, God, whoever you place in my life today, whether that's one person or it's a whole lot of people, I'm just going to seek to love them like you do. And so I think we can release ourselves from that pressure to just add more and more people instead focus on who God has already placed in our lives and know that that's enough. Let me go to this other question here. You say having a soft heart and a receptive mind in a hard, closed off world is courage, not weakness. How does that apply to all we are facing in our world now? Yeah, I think we tend to have this idea of strength being hard and putting up a wall and letting nothing get to us. But that is actually the easier choice. The harder choice is to say, you know, in a world where I may get hurt, I'm going to choose to keep my heart open anyway. I think it's easy to be a critic. It is hard to be someone who really cares. It's easy to stand back and point fingers. It's hard to sit at a table and have an actual conversation about what matters. And so a lot of times people with soft hearts get told you need to toughen up or something like that. And I want to say the opposite, that having a soft heart in a hard world is courage not weakness. And I look at a lot of the dynamics going on, especially also on social media where people are just so unkind to each other. And I think a lot of that is just a lack of willingness to be vulnerable, to say, you know what, I'm going to listen to you, even if we disagree. I'm going to seek to understand. I want us to come together. I think we serve a God of unity and for people to just take a step back and say, you know, I follow a God who came to earth and lived here. And when I look at the life of Jesus, it's striking to me that he didn't, his, he didn't spend his time trying to resolve issues. He spent his time rescuing individuals. And I think as followers of Christ that we are called to that. And to do so in a way that eventually impacts the bigger picture, but to say, in a world where it would be easy to close myself off and get defensive and just focus on being right and as loud as I can, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus, which means choosing humility, gentleness, and a heart that is open so wide that he stretched out on a cross and exposed it for us. So I think we need wisdom. That doesn't mean sharing everything with everyone. It doesn't mean being vulnerable every place, every time. We need wisdom. We need boundaries. Some people aren't safe and we need to guard our hearts. We're told that in Proverbs. But I think sometimes we become defensive out of fear and we call it strength. And so instead, I think that change happens when we dare to love and to be vulnerable 
and to reach out even when it's hard and scary. Awesome. Now, I want to go back to this question here. I had uh, another strength of uh, introverts you mentioned in your book is uh, genuine influence. How have influence and leadership changed in our world? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of well-known people that you probably wouldn't guess are introverts, like Oprah, Jerry Seinfeld, Meryl Streep, Abraham Lincoln, C.S. Lewis, Max Lucado, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady. There are a lot of introverts around us that we might assume aren't introverts because they're doing things that are public or visible. But a 10-year leadership study actually found that introvert CEOs were slightly more likely to outperform the expectations of their boards and investors. And that's surprising also. But it's because introverts have a different style of leadership. Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, called it level five leadership. It was the highest that he could find. And he said these kind of leaders often are humble, self-effacing. They come alongside and get behind the company or the team or a person and really champion it to make things happen. And so I would say that introverts tend to lead from behind and think of the most influential person in your life. It's probably a parent, a coach, a mentor, a manager who really took an interest in you. The people who are most impactful aren't always those who are the most outwardly successful. They're the ones who really do what it takes to help us succeed. And so I think extroverts are great leaders too. They're often a megaphone for the voiceless. They're great at taking action and moving things forward. But I think that this more subtle style of introvert influence is so important too for introverts to just say, you know what? I don't have to be as visible for what I contribute to be just as valuable. And often it comes out of those meaningful relationships that we develop that we influence a small group of people who then influence more people like we saw Jesus do with the disciples. And then a lot of times you'll see an extrovert and introvert come together in a pairing in a leadership related context like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak is an example and author Jennifer Conweiler calls this genius opposites. So you'll often see an extrovert and introvert pair up lead together and it's really powerful because of the complementary strengths that both bring. But I just want introverts to hear, especially if they believe some lies that I need to be an extrovert to be an effective leader. No, you only need to be who God created you to be. He will empower you to make the difference that he has called you to. And if it looks different than the way the world says it needs to, or it feels invisible sometimes, or not fitting with all the advice we sometimes get from experts, that is okay. Just move forward with being who God created you to be anyway, and trust that he will multiply your efforts, that he will make it effective. So I just want all of us to embrace that we can be the leader that God created us to be. I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned. You mentioned about uh, the importance of uh, self-awareness, how awareness is, uh, really brings uh, praise, not pride. But you go in depth to talk about uh, sacred confidence. What can help introverts and all of us find what you call sacred confidence? 
confidence. Yes, I address this because I get a lot of letters from introverts saying, "I feel really out of place at church. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like maybe I'm not a good Christian." And I've experienced that too. I go to a huge church. I've gone to it for almost twenty years, and when I walk into the sanctuary and there's loud music and a lot of people. And a lot going on around me as an introvert, it's overwhelming. I've actually had to start bringing earplugs to church. I can still hear everything; it's just a little quieter. I bring a journal, so if I get overwhelmed, I can journal and shut some things out for a little bit. I have had to learn some strategies and realize that that part of me that needs to adjust a little doesn't mean that I don't love Jesus. It just means that I have the brain and nervous system wiring that I talked about in the beginning. That introverts, when there's a lot coming at us, it can just be overwhelming. And I feel most connected to God when I'm able to shut out external distractions and turn inward. And so, if there's a lot going on around me, that's harder. So, for example, I'm likely to feel closer to God going on a walk outside or having a meaningful spiritual conversation. Than one person with one person that I might in church, and I believe that gathering with other believers is important. That's something that God has invited us into. But I think it's okay if that's where we don't feel absolutely closest to Him. That that probably looks different for all of us. Some people, especially I would think extroverts, that is an experience that helps them really. Feel God's presence, all that going on around them, being with their brothers and sisters, the worship music, all of that. I could see how that would be a gift to them. But some of us are wired differently, and that's okay too. And so I think just pausing and asking, when do I feel closest to God, and how can I have more of that in my life? And if there are times when I don't feel as close, but I still feel like that activity is important to my spiritual life. How do I adjust in a way and have some strategies for making that fit a little better with who God created me to be? But I just really wanted to let introverts, in particular, know it's okay if sometimes those services are a bit much, or if you joining a small group feels hard or scary, or going on a mission trip is something that just doesn't make you want to jump up and down with excitement. That doesn't mean anything about your faith. You are probably a great listener when people are hurting. You might be an excellent caretaker who's willing to serve people that others overlook in quiet ways. You might have administrative skills where you're in an office creating spreadsheets that make everything else possible long term. And so it is okay, however God made you. And so that's really what I think sacred confidence is. It's again going back to Psalm one thirty nine fourteen, where we just say, "I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way." And all those ways are different, and I think that delights God that we are different. You have battled、uh, depression and anxiety. As statistics show, many people do, and actually, in this、uh, situation we are all facing, a lot of people are,、uh, and there is a lot of,、uh, you know,、um, high-level mental health and things like that. What has helped you most, especially as an introvert,、uh, confront depression and anxiety? 
Yeah, that is just part of my story. Research shows that introverts are more vulnerable to struggling with anxiety and depression. It seems to be related to that more sensitive nervous system that we have. We're just really impacted by what's going on. And there's also some brain chemistry things that they think contribute also. But that's just a reality for many introverts. And the flip side of that is that it's related to some of our strengths, like that empathy and perceptiveness that we've talked about already. And so that was part of my story. I started struggling with anxiety when I was eight years old. I hear that's a common time. So if you have a kiddo who's struggling with that, it may be that you've got a little introvert on your hands who has some struggles, but also has some amazing superpowers in there. And so I have had to battle through that. And I really came to a point where I just thought, I'm not going to be ashamed of this because this is just part of my story. And I felt like one day God said to me, if you are standing on a battlefield and someone is shooting at you, what does that mean? And I was like, um, uh, I'm a warrior. And it was like, okay, that's all struggling with anxiety and depression means that I am a warrior on a battlefield and I'm not home yet. And there are things I'm going to have to fight. But that does not mean I'm weak. It doesn't mean I'm a failure. It doesn't mean God can't use me. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with my faith. It just means I'm not in heaven yet. And so I want introverts to know that because we can experience shame over that or tell ourselves, I should just be able to snap out of it. And that's just not the reality. So for me, that dropping that shame was a big part of my healing. Working with my doctor on the physical side of anxiety and depression was important. Seeing a counselor was also really important and just telling the people in my life, you know what, I'm not okay. I need some help and support to get through this. And I worried about that, but I found when I was able to say out loud what was hard for me, what I was struggling with, it freed other people to do the same. Because maybe the person you're talking to, sharing with, make sure it's a trusted, safe, wise person you're sharing with, but even if they don't struggle with depression and anxiety, they struggle with something. And so I think for all of us to just look at each other and say, we are warriors fighting hard battles. We are not home yet, but we are victorious anyway. And we know we win in the end. So let's hold each other up. Let's keep pressing forward. Let's never stop fighting. And let's get whatever help we need. I thank God every day for the practical provision of medical and psychological help that has been part of my story too. And so I think especially now, I recently read a statistic that I think 43% of people are reporting clinical levels of anxiety and depression right now because of all that's going on in our world. So I just want us to have the freedom to talk about that without shame, without fear, and just know that we're going to keep fighting and that we're going to get through this together. What does it mean for each of us to live our powerful purpose? I think it simply means becoming all God created us to be because we are all designed on purpose for a purpose. Amen and amen. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the program uh, 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 and for sharing those uh, insightful moments with us, uh, uh, Gath. We are so thankful to you. Thank you again for having me. Now, you see, introverts make for the best counselor. They take time that extroverts want to listen to the problems that a person has and help the person with their troubles. And then our extroverts make great evangelists. 
whereas introverts make great disciple makers. So we are all created by God with a different, unique personality, but all to be used to the glory of God. And I want you to know if you are extrovert or introvert, God created you for a purpose. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith. Until then, Shalom, Shalom, God bless you. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at kazumbacharles.com and share your testimony.